MA in theology from the same uh, institution I received my master's degree, and that's faith down in Ankeny. And he's finished his MA. He is, hopefully, God willing, uh, next spring going to finish his MDiv there as well, Master of Divinity. And so um, he's uh, both uh, doing deputation, preparing to serve, as, uh, as well as studying and uh, finishing up his preparations to, uh, to be able to go and serve on the field that way. And the, he's been serving up in Chisago Lakes. And so those of you know who Dan and Linda, know Dan and Linda Gunderson, that's where Ben uh, serves as pastor. And Kyle was an associate pastor there. And, uh, and now is uh, a member there being sent by that church and recommended by that church and uh, headed to the Netherlands. So we're going to have his presentation today. Uh, the schedule today is going to be uh, as follows. We have a presentation of the ministry, uh, a short recap at the, during the announcements of the morning service. Um, then Kyle will preach the morning service for us. This evening he's going to come back with a short devotional, and we're going to open it up for Q&A there. There might be a little bit of time for Q&A if I haven't robbed him of it by being late this morning. But um, the, um, a little bit of Q&A, and then we're going to dismiss early for pizza, fellowship, and use that time as well as the few minutes that we'll have after the morning service to chat with Kyle and Natalie and find out more about their work in the field or their plans for the field. Um, also, our deacons, 10 minutes after the morning service, are going to meet with them in my office and, and just talk through things there. So uh, with that, let's open in a word of prayer, and I'm going to turn it over to Kyle and Natalie. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day you've given to us, God. We thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ, that, uh, Lord, though, though we were at enmity with you, you provided a way that we could be uh, reconciled. And we thank you for our Savior. We thank you for your Spirit who works in our hearts, and we pray that he would do so today. God, we thank you for Kyle and Natalie, and we pray your blessing on their desire to serve you in the Netherlands. Help us, Lord, to understand the, uh, the need there and the dynamics there, and uh, to understand uh, what part we should have in supporting them. And, Lord, we uh, ask for your guidance. We pray that your Spirit would lead us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Kyle. And you guys can present up here. Or... Well, we are very, very excited. Glad to be here. We've been looking forward to this for quite some time. When we start our presentation, we always like to start by introducing ourselves and our ministry with this phrase that God created the world, but the Dutch created the Netherlands. This is actually a common phrase that you would hear in the Netherlands, especially in like tourist attractions and things like that. Uh, but it's a phrase that the Dutch people actually say about themselves. And from it, we actually learn two things about the Dutch people that we like to start off with. Number one is that the Dutch people are masters of hydraulic engineering. When you think of the Netherlands and you think of windmills and dikes and dams and things like that, that's because they've actually built much of their country by what they say is reclaiming land from the sea. If you need a little high school geography refresher, there's the Netherlands just on the northern coast of Europe. And so they've built much of their country by pushing back the ocean and then building land on top of that. So in one sense, this phrase is not entirely inaccurate. They have built, of, or the Dutch people themselves have built land for their country. But the second thing that we learn about the Dutch from this phrase is even what they think of God 
of what they think of religion, of, of institutionalized religion and church. Over half of the population of the Netherlands is actually atheists. They would claim no religious affiliation at all. And we'll share a little bit more about that and what the spiritual climate in the Netherlands is. But we want to share with you today three ways that God has actually burdened us for the ministry that he's leading us to do in the Netherlands. And that's number one, is to see healthy churches being established and planted in the Netherlands. Number two, seeing those churches then training and discipling believers in the church. And then number three, that those churches full of healthy members who have been trained and discipled would go out and they would then plant healthy churches that are preaching the gospel. And so, in short, our goal is to see healthy churches established and reproduced in the Netherlands and then across Europe. What we want you to understand is how God has burdened us for this ministry, and and really why is there a need still for missionaries in the Netherlands. As Pastor Graham mentioned before. Our names are Kyle and Natalie Klein. We're just about a couple hours up the road at Chisago Lakes, where Chisago Lakes Baptist Church is our sending church, where I've been on staff as the associate pastor for a little over two years and just came off staff last month. We're really, really excited to get to know you guys today. Many of you have already stopped by to say hi to us at our table, and we really appreciate that. We also have one of our friends from our church who just graduated from youth group visiting with us today, Amos. So if you see Amos hanging around with us, he, came to, he woke up early this morning to ride down with us, and we appreciate him doing that. I'll let Natalie introduce a little bit and share a little bit about herself. All right, so I get to share my testimony with you guys first. Um, I was privileged to be raised in a Christian home, and when I was about five years old, my dad and I were setting up a nativity scene together. And anybody in here who has kids or has worked in children's ministry, you guys know that kids have like a bajillion and one questions. And my dad really took the time to slow down and share with me who that baby in the manger was and why that mattered to me personally. And so it was through that conversation that I began to understand that I personally was a sinner and that I needed a Savior to save me. My sin separated me from a holy God. And so as I began to grow in understanding of that, I placed my trust in Christ for salvation um, and have the hope of eternal life with him one day and was later baptized by immersion. And also from a young age, my mom read a lot of missionary biographies to us. We had a lot of missionaries through our home. And I often tell Kyle, I was probably the kid in a corner stuffing peas up my nose, frankly. Like, they have no idea that I was listening, but that had a really big impact on me. And the Lord burdened my heart for evangelism and discipleship. And so I continued to pursue that direction in life. And I got a missionary nursing degree at Faith Baptist Bible College, went to several short-term trips. And the Lord just continued to place that burden on my heart but I wasn't settled yet on a location. So I just continued to pray and wait, and I'll let Kyle pick up there. I was also saved at a young age. My dad is a pastor. I actually grew up in Ontario, Canada. And one evening, uh, my dad preached the gospel message at church. And although I had grown up in church and I had grown up hearing the truth of Scripture, that evening was the first time that the gospel really resonated, that the Lord was working in my heart to help me see uh, that I was a sinner and I was separated from God, and I would be on my way to hell, and that I would have no escape apart from Jesus Christ. So that evening, I talked with my mom, and she helped break down the gospel a lot clearer uh, in a way that a seven-year-old could understand. And that evening, that I put my faith in Jesus Christ, and I was baptized about five to six months later. 
as well. So I grew up then in a Christian home, and I went to Christian school. I went to a Christian university. I studied journalism and mass communication. I had every intent of going into a marketing, television marketing field. Um, Wanted nothing to do with ministry because dad was a pastor, and that was dad's thing. Um, Joke's on me. The Lord has a sense of humor. And uh, the year after I was done at university, then I actually really wrestled with my faith a lot, uh, with if the Bible was true, if God could be trusted, Um, And I really questioned many, many things that year. And through that, the Lord actually kind of put me in between a rock and a hard place uh, where my pastor of the church I was attending became the president of Faith Baptist Bible College. And he basically said, hey, come to Iowa with me. And at first I said no, but the Lord worked in my heart and I ended up going down to Iowa and worked through a lot of those wrestling and those questions that I had. Worked through that with my pastors there at my church in Iowa. And through over a period of about a year to a year and a half, the Lord really changed my heart and my direction toward vocational ministry, where I uh, really felt like that's where the Lord was leading at that point, whether overseas, here in America. I didn't really care, but I knew the Lord was leading me into pastoral ministry. So while I was in seminary at Faith, then in 2019, I was actually in the corral uh, with, with uh, Sam Hansen, and we know some of the Hansen kids from being down at Faith. And so that year that I was in with Sam Hansen, then uh, we took a trip to Europe uh, with the corral, and that was my first exposure to the Netherlands. The Lord really used that trip to pique my interest and to show me the need for missions there, although I didn't quite have all my questions answered. And so in 2022, <clears throat> just last uh, February and March, Natalie and I went to the Netherlands together, spent two weeks there, and uh, the Lord really used that trip to open our eyes and our hearts uh, to what he was doing there. The big thing about that trip that really uh, changed our perspective and helped us see the need was hearing the testimonies of people, and one of those I'll actually share with you later in our presentation, of how God used the personal testimonies of people there in the church to really stir our hearts toward the ministry there. So this is our burden that we want to share with you guys today, that God would use us to help establish healthy churches in the Netherlands for the glory of God across all of Europe. So we're going to share with you four reasons why there's still a great need in the Netherlands. The first one is that God calls us to declare his glory among the nations. When you look at scripture and you read through scripture, you see this idea of God's heartbeat for the nations. For example, in Psalm 96... He says, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. And so in short, we want to see the Dutch people doing just that, declaring the glory of God. Secondly, the majority of Dutch people are non-religious. I mentioned earlier that 55% of the country claims no religious affiliation at all. Actually, that's a 2022 statistic. Now, in 2023, they're estimating that's gone up by 1%, 56% of the country uh, would claim no religious affiliation at all. And so to maybe put that into a little bit of context, that would look like the, popul- the combined population of Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, Idaho, Nebraska, New Mexico. Those combined populations being just 55% of the country that does not believe in any type of religion. Of those who do believe in a religion, of those who are religious, you have about a 20% Roman Catholicism uh, population there. And then you have actually about a 15% Protestant population. Now, what we want to make sure that we explain clearly is that Protestant in the Netherlands does look differently than what we think of Protestant here. The Protestant Church of the Netherlands is actually a conglomeration of a Dutch Reformed, a Christian Reformed, and a Lutheran Church that back in the early 2000s, the three of those merged into one church. In those churches, you have a very wide variety of theology that is being taught on a 
excuse me, on a liberal side of things, which is going to be the most popular, you have churches that do not preach the gospel. They preach uh, moralistic values. Uh, It is not uncommon that a pastor of a church would be an atheist woman lesbian pastoring those churches. So that's your liberal side. And then your conservative side of those churches do teach some of the things in the Bible, such as the realities of hell and the realities of sin. And so people in those churches understand that they're on their way to hell, but unfortunately they're never really given that personal gospel invitation to make the gospel their own and to make that personal. And so they, they stress because they're unsure if they will go to heaven. They are unsure if they are God's elect. And so they pray and they ask God, would you save me? I want to have a relationship with you, never actually knowing if they will. Now, that does look a little bit different. Perhaps you're familiar with maybe Dutch Reformed here in America. That does look a little bit different there than it does here. And like I said, those sides together are only about 15% of the population. And then, of course, if you've looked at Western Europe, especially the past 10 years, there's a growing Muslim population. About 5% of the population would be Muslim, and that is an increasing rate every year, especially of immigrants who are coming into the country. Of the population that would be evangelical, having a true gospel presence, you're looking at only about 4% of the country. Now, that's also including charismatic and Pentecostal theology, where the gospel may or may not be clear. So our coworkers actually estimate that you're looking at about 2 to 3% of the population that would have a clear gospel presence in the Netherlands. A thirdly is that the Netherlands embraces godlessness. Perhaps when you think of the Netherlands, or maybe if you think of the city of Amsterdam, you think of some of those hot topics of our culture that would be completely normative there. Things like LGBTQ rights, abortion laws, prostitution, legalized drugs— Things that here there is still a battleground for are completely culturally acceptable there. For example, the Netherlands was the very first country in the world to legalize and condone same-sex marriage. That's just a, a little picture of the direction the Netherlands has been and is going and continues to go. And then number four, the state of churches in the Netherlands is increasingly dark and growing increasingly dark. It's not uncommon at all to walk around cities in the Netherlands and see beautiful churches that are dance studios, that are businesses, because churches that at one time were preaching the gospel over the years, especially with the Enlightenment, have shut down either because they couldn't keep up with culture and they died, or they've embraced culture and embraced a liberal theology where the gospel is no longer clear. And so let me boil these four reasons down into just a simple, concise statement, is that the Dutch people, just like all of us, but the Dutch people need Jesus Christ, All right, so we've thrown a lot of statistics at you guys, and maybe you're like me where you take in so many facts a day, it can be really easy to become numb to those things. So what we don't want you to miss is our heart for the Dutch people. There's currently about 17 million people in this tiny country that are facing a Christless eternity, and that's a really big deal. And so the fact of the matter is that the Netherlands is still in need of gospel workers to help establish healthy, reproducing churches that will create a ripple effect across Europe. That is why the Netherlands still needs gospel workers, because the Netherlands still needs Jesus. So we're going to share with you several ways that we plan to do this when we get there. The first one is evangelism, like I mentioned. Um, There are many people who do not have the hope of the gospel. So imagine never hearing the truth about your eternal destiny, not having the hope and comfort of a God who loves you infinitely, 
or the guidance of the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't know about you, but that would change my life drastically. And so we plan to share the good news of Christ with the Dutch people through just one-on-one relationships, outreach, hospitality. And then the second way is discipleship. And we'll do this similarly through one-on-one meetings, through some church ministries, and hospitality. My own life has been very impacted by women who took the time to listen to me, they took the time to pray for me, and they took the time to call me out on sin when I needed it. And I have a heart for the Dutch people to not only know the joy of that type of relationship, but be equipped to be able to repeat it with someone else down the road. And then thirdly is through church planting, and you'll see that on our back table. Uh, Lord willing, the plan is when we get to the Netherlands, we will land in the city of bergen It's in the south of the country, uh, pretty close to the Belgian border. Currently, there is an established church there that we will be joining. It's currently pastored by uh, one of our co-workers, and we'll introduce them to you in just a minute. And so we'll join that church while we are in full-time language school. We've started to work on a little bit of Dutch now, uh, but we'll be enrolling in full-time language school when we're there so that we can speak the gospel in the heart language of the people. And we'll be learning culture and language while serving in the church, Lord willing, then from that church, planting a church long-term uh, with our coworkers in a team missions type of atmosphere. Uh, I've mentioned our coworkers. I'm going to have Natalie introduce them to you. All right, so up on the screen, on the top, you'll see Daniel and Heather Boyd, along with their three boys, have been in the Netherlands since 2011. And on the bottom, you'll see David and Chrissy Boyd, and they've been serving in the Netherlands since 1983. You'll probably notice that the last name is the same. That's because David and Chrissy are Daniel's parents. And Daniel is actually a third-generation missionary kid from the Netherlands. So one of the things that we like to share is our motivation, why we do what we do, why are we going to the Netherlands, and we always like to share this verse, or these verses. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Short version, we're going to the Netherlands to proclaim Jesus Christ. We're going, Lord willing, to a country that at one point was so light with the gospel, when you think through Christian history, to a country that has let that gospel light die out over the last several hundred years. We're desiring and praying that the Lord would send us to be that gospel light in a country that so needs it. And so as we're on this journey, wonderful journey known as deputation and fundraising for the mission field, perhaps you are asking in your seat, how can I get on board for your team Thank you so much for asking. Let me give you three ways that you can join our team for the Netherlands. Number one is through subscribing to our newsletters. On the back table, we either have a QR code or we have a piece of paper that you can fill out your name and email address. We will subscribe, that will subscribe you to our newsletters and we send those out twice a season, two in the spring, two in the fall, two in the summer, two in the winter. We send those out on a regular basis because when we have people here at home praying and keeping up for us and learning what is happening in our lives, that is a huge way that you can actually be supporting us is by knowing what we are doing and where we're going and what the Lord is doing, both here in the States and once we get there. Number two is by giving. Many times when we think of supporting a missionary, we instantly think finances, which is why we want to give you three reasons, but finances are a part of what is needed to make this happen. We're currently at 43% of our needed support, And uh, Lord willing, we're actually expecting uh, in the next couple of weeks that to spike to roughly around 50%. So you can be praying even with us now uh, that we would hit 50% soon. 
So we're at 43%. And so that's one of the ways that you can give, whether that's a gift or that's a partnership in monthly support. And then number three is through the ministry of prayer. And we actually save this for the last on our list, not because it's the least important, but because it is the most important. We need a team of people here in the States and some of our supporting churches in Canada, in the States and in Canada, supporting us through the ministry of prayer, bringing us before the Lord on a regular basis that God's hand would bless the work that we do in preparation and once we get there. And then when you read our newsletters and you subscribe, then what you're doing is you're actually knowing exactly what is going on in our lives that you can pray for us specifically. That's a huge, huge blessing to us. And would you pray that God would help use, or God would use us to help establish healthy churches in the Netherlands that's proclaiming the gospel and to see that ripple effect across Western Europe? One of the things that we always like to mention is, or that we like to ask is, how could God use you on the mission field? One of the things that we offer is what's called a Go Dutch program. It's a five to six week internship program for university students, college students, young adults to come see the mission field, work on the mission field with us for five to six weeks during the summer. It's incredibly flexible. And we always like to put that plug in there because those are the people that the Lord might use one day to go back as full-time missionaries. And so there's information about that on the table, or you could talk to us about that program. Um, There has never been an intern who has regretted going to the Netherlands. So we always like to give that plug in there. As I mentioned, we would love to get to know you today. Some of you have already gotten to know over breakfast or at our table, and we've really, really appreciated that. But there's still a lot of you that we haven't met yet, so please do feel free to sit up by our table and get to know us. All right, so you guys are probably sick of hearing about the Netherlands from us, and there's nothing quite like a firsthand testimony. So we're going to show a video here in a second that has our future coworkers talking a little bit about the need in the Netherlands, as well as some Dutch people themselves. And the footage that you'll see is the city that Lord Willing will be living in when we first get there. After the video, I'm going to share a testimony of one of the people that we met in the Netherlands and sharing how the Lord changed her life. And then depending on, are we done at 10.15, is that right? 10.15, okay. So depending on how we're doing on time, I'll open it up for a few questions, either for me or for Natalie, uh, Lord willing, time permitting. But at this point, uh, you can enjoy seeing what the Lord is doing in the Netherlands firsthand.
Hopefully that helped you visualize. Hopefully that helped you visualize just a little bit of the type of ministry and some of the faces of the people that we will be ministering alongside with, and Lord willing, ministering to. I mentioned I wanted to share one personal testimony, uh, actually from somebody in the video. Uh, you see a couple. There was a couple there, uh, Sicko and Yet. Her name looked like Jet, uh, and you saw in the background beautiful mountains. And maybe you're thinking, "Wow, the Netherlands is a beautiful country." They were actually on vacation that week in Germany, so that's the German mountains. Um, <laughs> Netherlands is very flat, although still very, very beautiful. And so Yet's story, Natalie actually has not met Yet yet. Um, but I got to meet her in 2019 when I went with the choir from Faith. And I met Yet, and she was, she's a school teacher there in the public schools, and heard her testimony and she was actually saved from an atheist or an atheism background. Uh, she was actually very openly staunch lesbian in a very long-term relationship. And her brother, who was a pastor in Canada, actually, uh, she went to go on vacation, went to go visit her brother in Canada. And while there, then heard the gospel really like, he beat her over the head with the gospel. And so she, when she left Canada, then she left questioning and curious, and her brother basically said, yet when you go home to the Netherlands, you must find answers to your questions. You must find answers and find somebody there in the Netherlands who can teach you and train and help. So she comes back to the Netherlands and through a Google search finds Evangeliska Baptist Gementa, that's the church that our coworker pastors. So she walks in on a Sunday morning and is instantly greeted by our coworker Daniel and his wife Heather. And very quickly, Daniel and Heather uh, latch on to Yet. And they have Yet over to their house, and she comes faithfully to church. And she's over to their house on Wednesday nights for Bible studies. And many times, because the Bible study would end up going so late, she would just sleep there on Wednesday night and then go to school and teach the next day. She would do this for months and months and months. And during that time, Yet would say from her mouth that she saw how Daniel and Heather worked through problems as a married couple, how they parented, how they lived, and how it was just very different from anything that she had seen. And eventually, through those Bible studies and through being really folded into Daniel and Heather's life, yet came to Christ and was baptized and joined the church and one of the most faithful people you will see in that church. Well, good news and bad news— Good news is she met a wonderful godly man from the north of the country that you saw in the video, Sicko. The bad news is, is that yet 
they married and yet moved to the north of the country to be with her husband. So although she is no longer there in the church in Bergkamp Zom, and they live in the north of the country, she still comes down quite regularly with her husband and does holidays and family get-togethers with the Boyd family because they had made such an impact on her life. That's just one of multiple stories that Natalie and I have of people's testimonies that really helped us see what God is doing in the Netherlands and what more their work is still to be done there. Again, if you want to hear some of those other testimonies, feel free to talk to one of us. We have several others that we could share with you of people whose lives have been changed by the gospel.